Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming to you live from the top of the college basketball mountain, this is the Believe in Kansas Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Network. And what a week it's been. Obviously, you know what the focus of today's show is going to be. We're talking about NCAA violation talk. Absolutely. No. It's we're about a few days removed. I'm recording this a little bit late. I wanted to let it marinate. I wanted to let everyone else, all the peons with their Kansas basketball opinions and takes in the week of, you know, blowhard and this and that. I let them all get their, their, you know, what out of the way. And uh, here we go. I've written down a little bit of a structured, how I want to go about today's episode of the celebration that is the Kansas Jayhawks being your 2022 NCAA tournament champions. Bill Self, his crew, his crew of low-star recruits, his crew of guys that had to battle to win the toughest conference, one of the toughest conferences I've ever seen, certainly the toughest conference in America, and his team that nationally was doubted to win their own regional the hot pick was a five seed that doesn't even make it out of the first weekend they have come through they take down the north carolina tar heels in epic historic fashion kansas takes down unc 72 69 sixth overall title for kansas you want to throw out those helms titles i think it's probably about time fourth tournament fourth NCAA championship in program history. Second overall, of course, for Bill Self. His championships come 14 years apart. It was a drought. I've been talking on this show for a while that it's felt like a drought. And when you think about the fact that it's 14 years apart from 2008 and Brandon Rush was in the crowd and Russell Robinson was in the crowd and Mario Chalmers, and they were looking a little weathered, you realize, oh my goodness, this is a, a program and a legacy-defining win. Kansas, I'm already, I'm already free-flowing. Let me back up for a second. Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Believe Network, your number one network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? All right. Send me your thoughts. Send me what was going through your mind. You know, you tune into this show when there's obviously a lot of Kansas Jayhawks content out there, especially right now. But you tune in here because, you know, this is a different perspective, hopefully. And so I will provide my thoughts on just an unbelievable journey and a national title for KU. 
So I'm not going to break it down scientifically for the most part, but I will start right there at halftime as Kansas on championship Monday is sitting there down 40 to 25 down by 15. If they were to come back, of course, speaking before the second half, if they were to come back, this would be the largest halftime deficit ever overcome to win a championship in NCAA tournament history. The team looks lifeless. The team looks nervous. Charles Barkley sitting there on set, ripping the game plan, rightfully so. Kenny the Jet Smith is sitting next to him gleaming because his Tar Heels are 20 minutes away from a runaway victory as an eight seed in the championship game. Ernie is just dumbfounded. He can't believe what he just saw. And Clark Kellogg's doing the best he can to mediate all of it. But as I'm sitting there, and it's a 15-point deficit, I wasn't, like, depressed. I, I honestly, I felt a little hollow inside. I really did sit there at halftime. Because, frankly, this was a tournament, this was a championship, and this was a game that just Kansas had to have. Because I've harped on it from the moment that the brackets came out. And as everything toppled around KU exactly in their favor, right? The Midwest Regional set up great for them. Unreal matchups. Could have been tough come Sweet 16 time with a hot Iowa team. But you know what? Even the stiffest competition within the Midwest crumbled like a piece of stale bread. Iowa was gone. Auburn was gone. A USC team that KU had had their issues with last year eliminated in the first round. Kansas facing a bit of a paper tiger in Providence who put up a great fight. But if you're going to face Providence in the Sweet 16 and you're Kansas, you got to like your shot. And then nothing but double-digit seeds on the other side of the bracket. You come into the Final Four, the best athletic player, the most dynamic player on Villanova, is hurt. And then, of course, you take on an eight seed. Yes, the uniform says North Carolina, but this was an eight seed and a team that was banged up and a team that was emotionally spent after playing what an unbelievable game against Duke, also in the final four. It was there for Kansas. It was there for Bill Self. And they're sitting there down by 15 because they didn't play well. That's sort of a loaded way of putting it. Is it because they were putting up their best fight. No, frankly, Kansas fell behind because they were tight. I saw a team that was wildly nervous. They were getting the opportunities, right? How many layups did they miss? Check that. How many layups did Jalen Wilson miss in that first half? At least four, right? Point blank, right there at the rim. And they couldn't put it home. You know, they couldn't grab a rebound. I mean, good Lord, they couldn't grab a rebound the whole game. North Carolina out-rebounded Kansas by 20 in the whole game, and they still won. Unbelievable. So I'm sitting there at halftime, seeing this glorious opportunity after they had jumped out to the 7-0 lead. KU, they, they did what they needed to do. Hot start. The heel was on the Tar Heels' throat. Pressure was being applied. Ramsey's the ram. The mascot's going, no. 
our dreams. But they stormed back, and Kansas allowed them to storm back. They didn't finish the job in the first half. And in fact, they opened up a door and said, North Carolina, how would you like this game? So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, this is, this is so disappointing. Because if it was a back and forth affair, if Kansas was putting up shots, if they were making their jumpers, if they were making their layups, if they had played the first similar to the second half, energy, enthusiasm, taking care of just normal basketball stuff, and they were losing or they lost that game, so be it. Because then North Carolina truly would have earned it. But to come out in the first half, or let's say to eventually end up in the first half playing so nervous, unable to do anything, Ochai Abaji not taking a shot for about five minutes to finish off the first half. So passive, so tight. It was just, it was really tough to watch. And I was really disappointed. I would have loved to have seen Kansas, if they were going to lose that game, at least go down with their best shot, which is exactly what they came out with in the second half. Because 15 points, it's like, yeah, that's that's a mountain to climb. It's a multiple possession game. But basketball, of course, is not played in ones and twos. It's played in twos and threes, right? I figured you get it under double digits by the under 16 timeout. You reset mentally. You got a shot because how many times when you watch college basketball, any basketball, but mostly college basketball that works with the multiples of four TV timeouts. If it's an eight or nine point game with 15 minutes left, you're not really panicking, right? So you get it to that point, and you work from there. And that's exactly what they did. Kansas outscores North Carolina 47-29 to in the second half. It was the type of run. It was the type of onslaught we had seen all tournament long. It was similar to what they did to Miami in the second half. It's similar to how they started off against Villanova. It's how they played the entire game against Texas Southern, of course. It was the performance that KU had been doing really all throughout the month of March. They looked down at their jersey. They said, we are Kansas. They put on their boots, similar to the Jayhawk logo. The bird walk around with his stomping shoes, and they said, we're going to overwhelm you with some passion. We're going to overwhelm you just by being the big brand basketball team that we are. And they went out there. And they clobbered North Carolina. They hit them and North Carolina didn't know what was coming their way. By the time they recovered and made it interesting, Kansas was already back. It was already a one to two point game. And from that point on, let's call about 10 minutes to go. Halfway through the second half, it was a legitimate basketball game. Both teams throwing haymakers and it was amazing. Oh my goodness. What a game. What a second half. And so play after play, haymakers after haymakers, I got to admit, 
when Kansas went up six, I think it was right after that amazing sequence where Remy Martin hits the three in the corner. This was about nine minutes left in the second half. Remy Martin hits the three. Jalen Wilson comes around, steals the ball from R.J. Davis, which leads to the fast break opportunity for Jalen Wilson, the end one, heading into the under eight timeout. Or maybe Hubert Davis called a timeout. I was like, this is this is it. This is the moment. But the fact that they blew that six-point lead, that felt like an opportunity wasted. It really did. They kept North Carolina in it, or they allowed North Carolina to come back. As like that's a that's such an opportunity wasted. But Kansas was resilient. They were strong. They made some major cojones type of plays down the stretch. And honestly, it started right there in the middle of the floor. Right there in the middle of the lineup. All thanks to Mitch Lightfoot. No, (laughs) no, not thanks to Mitch. Um, Mitch was pretty much useless in the final four. Armando Baycott was treating him like a rag doll out there. (laughs) Every time he looked up, Mitch Lightfoot was bent over sideways and Armando Baycott was going in either for an offensive rebound or a a putback or, or a dunk of some sort. Four fouls in seven minutes for Mitch. No, it, it, it was David McCormack. I'm, I've never been so happy to eat so many plates of crow about a guy. But to be fair, everyone always knew about Dave that should he play well all throughout his career, all four years, if David McCormack played well, it took KU to a whole different level. I came on here before the Villanova game, and I, I said, if I, if I knew for sure that I was going to get good Dave, some good Dave in the evening, I would be totally willing to 100% guarantee victory for Kansas, certainly over Villanova. And obviously, he was transcendent against Villanova. Yes, going up against a bunch of guys who were 6'9 or below, but he played like a titan of power. And against North Carolina, it was a little bit tougher. Armando Baycott, I mean, look, all credit to North Carolina. They put forth a truly Herculean effort. Beaten, bruised probably concussed in Brady Manick's situation. I mean, Brady Manick took two elbows, right? Certainly one flush to the bridge of his nose. And then later on in the half, I think he took another elbow right to the face, but he was in there. Should he have been? Probably not. But Baycott, after what he did to his ankle against Duke, I mean, the fact that he was out there and relatively effective, 15 points, 15 rebounds. He had a double-double in the first half. Now, he did shoot 3 of 13. But six offensive rebounds. Baycott was still a force. So Dave 
found it a little bit tougher against North Carolina. But you know who made the biggest plays of the game? When it mattered most, when Kansas was down under two minutes to play? You know who threw down that? What If you watch the replay, that alley-oop to start the second half, the very first basket for Kansas, the first two points of the second half. No, it was David McCormack. And it was a beautifully drawn-up play by Bill Self. But the toss from Dewan Harris to McCormack was a little low and a little bit behind him. I'm sure you've seen the highlights by now, uh, but go back and watch you know, sec- Kansas's second-half resurgence or go watch David McCormack highlights of that game. The alley-oop he throws down to start the second half was a feat of genius. So Captain Spastic, the guy with spatulas for hands, he came up biggest. And yeah, there's a lot of calls for David McCormack to be the most outstanding player of the Final Four, which he honestly probably deserves over Abaji. Ochai, by the way, 12 points in the victory. But I mean, it's a, it was a great point by Jesse Newell at the time. But those game-sealing moments, the two back-to-back baskets by McCormack, is a long time coming, right? For Kansas in that situation to straight-up run plays through Big Dave, this is a journey. Let's just take this year only. Going all the way back to the Dayton loss, right, in Orlando. Kansas trying to hold on to a lead, trying to extend a lead. And who do they go to? They dump it down low. And McCormack totally flummoxed, messes up the opportunity. But all throughout his career, and for all the times we've banged our head against the wall saying, what is what is with the loyalty and the trust in this player? Like we know, you look at him, you say, okay, that is a hulk of a center. That's a guy who's going to make things happen. But you watch him and he's all over the place. The loyalty, the trust, the stick to it all paid off, didn't it? When it mattered most, all of that loyalty, all of that trust ended up in two of the biggest plays in Kansas basketball history, which is obviously is what it has to be called because if you win national championships, if, if it's championship-defining plays, those are two of the, the biggest moments in your program history. Dump it down low. McCormack misses. Grabs his own offensive rebound, puts it right back up. Kansas has the lead. One defensive stop later, where Carolina sort of fumbled it all over the place. Whoa, 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 crazy. Kansas up by one. Who do they go to? Strictly designed, and yes, it was a mismatch on Brady Manick because Baycott had once again rolled his ankle. Poor guy. I, I do actually. Hart goes out to Baycott. He, he was unbelievable all things considered. But that was the situation at hand. So if you have that clear, distinct mismatch, you got to utilize it. And in the biggest moment of the year, to stretch the lead from one to three, they zero in and we say, we're throwing it to you, big man. Let's make it happen. And he did. Three-point game. Kansas goes on, gets the stop, and they win the national championship. So... (laughs) People wanted 
McCormack to get the, the most outstanding player of the final four in order to get his jersey retired, which would have been just unbelievably hilarious. After all these years, if they put David McCormack's jersey in the rafters, I hope they would fill they'd fill it up with all the tweets over his career saying how much he sucked. And then just have the 33 just dangling there in front of the windows. But uh, he doesn't get the award, so he doesn't qualify, which all things considered is probably for the best. Uh, So you are listening to the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Let's do a quick little reset here. Twitter, JoeNasty90. Instagram, at JonasN310. So I want to go back to one of my favorite topics, which is myself and my thoughts along the season and how Kansas got here. Because, look, there was a period there in, in February where Kansas, of course, got annihilated by Kentucky. Well, that was at the end of January, of course. But KU, of course, had beaten Kansas State, had given up 83 points. They had the back-to-back losses at Baylor and at TCU. And they came on here, and I full-on laughed at Dewan Harris. And I said, look at this defensive stopper, right? Kansas' defense is so good. And they have this defensive specialist that they gave up 83 points to Kansas State. They gave up 80 to Baylor. And they gave up 74 to TCU. And you know what the biggest difference for Kansas was? It was their defense. Something clicked, and I, I don't know what it was, X's and O's wise. I don't know if it was just more awareness of their assignments and communication. But offense was winning games for Kansas all year, and offense won games for Kansas in the tournament. But the defense won them the championship. It's a cliche, but it's true. Now, defense isn't everything because every national champion going back to like 2000 or something like that still has a top 20 offense. That's not like an opinion of mine. That is the statistical fact. Like teams that are grinded out generally don't win because you need an offense to put you over the top in March. But you need to get stops. And so... From that point forward, and it really, the pinpoint really came right there in the Big 12 tournament. You saw it. I saw it. I mentioned it right as we entered March Madness. Something seemed to be clicking. Kansas looked like a force. They were hitting in all cylinders, and then they got the favorable draw. So here's the run they went on 63 points allowed to West Virginia in a blowout. 62 points allowed to TCU. 65 points allowed to Texas Tech. Okay. You could argue those aren't necessarily offensive powerhouses, but Kansas did the job against them. They, of course, blow out Texas Southern. And then the only team they allowed more than 70 points to, going back all the way to that loss against TCU, the last loss of the year for KU. They allow 72 points to Creighton, who, of course, couldn't miss, especially in the first half. Rock fight against Providence. 
annihilated Miami. Miami doesn't even get to 51 points, 50 on the day. 65 and 69 against Villanova and North Carolina. Kansas, Kansas ends up 17th in the Ken Pomeroy defensive adjusted defensive rankings, which when you combine that with the number six adjusted offense in the, in the nation, get to a national title. It's a lot of firepower and just enough high-quality defense. Because look at who the top defensive teams in the nation were, right? And, and see where they see where it got them. Texas Tech had their chance, but not enough firepower against Duke. San Diego State choked against Creighton. Tennessee came up short in the second round against Michigan. Oklahoma State uh, wasn't eligible. <laughs> Iowa State, great defense, not nearly enough offense to win games. LSU, different situation. VCU, I'm not sure they made the tournament. Houston, great defense, made one three-point shot in the Elite Eight. These are your teams that are all defense, but not enough offense. So I, I don't know what it was that flipped for Kansas defensively, but something did because they were top-notch come March. That was that was the key because I, 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 this is what I wanted to do. I said, what were my biggest worries about this team? So the offensive droughts, right? <laughs> it happened. They, they had the droughts, and it, it should have obviously buried them against North Carolina. But they had the drought against Miami. But the Miami game at, at halftime, they at least were within shouting distance. They said, hey, Miami, can you still see us? And the Hurricanes were celebrating. and said, yeah, we can see you, but don't worry about us. And, of course, KU onslaughted them. But the drought, the droughts should have killed Kansas against North Carolina. So that, that point of mine, not really true. I was worried about it. It happened, but they overcame it. I was, of course, worried about their attention to detail, free throws, closing out games. Didn't necessarily come true, right? Offensive rebounding. Kansas's free throw shooting against, against North Carolina was not good. 8 of 14. Ochebaji was 3 of 8. Missed what? Four extremely key free throws there in the second half as Kansas was trying to make their comeback. Could have had the lead way earlier in the second half. But they overcame it. So, and the offensive rebounding, of course. I mean, Carolina destroyed them and Kansas overcame that as well. So what was the defense? They did all these things that aren't really key to you winning a game. Well, they finally locked in defensively for the first time really all year. They got in there. They, they dug it out and they overcame their biggest deficiencies of the year. So those are sort of my biggest takeaways. Yeah, I could break it down. What were the biggest plays? Man, that Remy Martin three was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, which one, right? But you know this. You saw the game. So let's 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 touch on one more thing. Bill Self now, of course, is you got to say the, the greatest coach in Kansas basketball history, which is just crazy to say. It really is. 
for us to be sitting here and to be watching, you know, a, a program that is steeped in tradition and, and the school that Wilt Chamberlain went to and the first coach ever invented the game and the historically best coach and the, the guy the building is named after is the grandfather of basketball coaching as we know it, Forrest Fog Allen. Is, and for the guy you're watching right now, for this to be the best coach in program history is truly remarkable. It's obviously not Roy Williams. Didn't win a championship. Thanks for nothing, Roy. <laughs> Didn't get a chance to see if once the final horn blew, if he quickly changed out of his clothes, his Carolina colors, and threw on another Jayhawk sticker. Did anyone catch that or not? Wasn't sure. You know, Ted Owens, no. Dick Harp, no. Larry Brown won a classic title, but was barely even there. Sort of left the program in a bit of shambles. That's the last time they missed the tournament. It was because of sanctions. So Bill Self becomes, it is actually a little remarkable to think that Bill Self becomes the only Kansas coach to have multiple national championships. He's going to have every win record. What he did with the Big 12 streak was remarkable, is remarkable. You'd like to think that Bill Self hopefully gets one more, right? At least one more. Who really knows? I mean, he's, he's now 59 years old. Coach K just retired uh, here in his early to mid-70s, right? I tried to do the math, actually, because you figure Bill Self's got a lot more wins in him, depending on what happens with the NCAA. And so if he coaches for 12 more years, that's what it was, because Coach K is 72 as he retired. Did you hear about that? Coach K retired. Not sure if you heard about that. So Bill Self, 12 more years, and I figured 20 wins because that's his baseline. That wouldn't break Shashevsky's record, but of course, there's a little give and take here and there. This year, he ends up winning. I think it's 34. Yeah, 34 wins. That's not going to happen every year, but Bill Self does win at least 20 every year. So he's got he's got a lot of work to do, but at the pace he's at, he'll be close. And so uh, the the number one question right after became now that there's. No more Coach K. And I wasn't going to talk about, you know, the fact that Coach K, you know, loses in the final four for his final game. You know, that he, the, the final laugh in his amazing rivalry with North Carolina goes to the first year head coach. You know, I wasn't going to talk about that. Coach K's biggest moments of his final season were ruined by his most hated rival. I wasn't going to bring up any of that. You know, the fact that he had this season long wash fest. And he came up short against, again, his rival and a team in his rival that he blew out in Chapel Hill early in the year and was only an eight seed. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention any of that. Hmm. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so the, the the question was now that that sort of position on the college basketball dais has been vacated by Coach K, who who is now sort of the the figurehead in college basketball. And of course, with the championship just ending, the natural reaction was to then turn around and say, well, is it Bill Self? 
And yeah, in, in terms of the success, in terms of, you know, a guy who's going to be constantly be on the, the national stage, he's going to win a lot of games, he's going to be on national TV a lot, will be in the tournament. He's up there. The big thing about Coach K, right, was sort of the hateability factor, certainly for Duke. And I don't think at the moment Kansas and Bill Self have that. And this really hurts to say, and this is, you know, maybe a quick spritzer, a quick seltzer in the eyes of, of our fan base as we celebrate a national title. But frankly, Kansas just hasn't won enough in order to be nationally hated. You know, I know that's a weird thing to say, but two titles, 14 years apart, you're not like constantly beating it down on people saying, look how much we're winning championships. That's pretty well spread apart. Like Kansas is hated in Big 12 territory because they win all the time. They go into your house and they win all the time. And regionally, KU fans are all over the place. And they're like, you're not going to beat us. And so KU fans are hated in Big 12 territory. But nationally, you know, if you follow college basketball a lot, you might have the college basketball fans who don't like Bill Self because of the FBI stuff. But otherwise, KU is relatively harmless, right? The players don't really stand out on a national stage like guys like Grayson Allen, of course, or Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they've, they've had the standouts, certainly. But they're not guys who just light up a marquee. Nationally, of course. This is national perspective. So if Bill Self really, really gets it rolling here in terms of a national title sense, one, that'd be awesome. Two, then yeah, I think that's fair. I actually think, and I'm stealing this opinion, I actually think Mark Few sort of steps into that void in a way. Does he have the success of Coach K? Obviously not. (laughs) Can't even win a championship, which is obviously very difficult. But I think people like to hate watch Gonzaga a lot, right? They get your blood going. You say Gonzaga, and you instantly have an opinion. They're a lightning rod type of team. He does win a lot of games. They are nationally relevant. They'll always be a one or two seed because of their weak conference. And I think because of that, I think Mark Few is actually in terms of like, when you think about it, what was it about Coach K that grabbed our attention? It was always being in the national spotlight, always being talked about. You hate watched them. They were there in March. They had lightning rod players, to use that term again. And I think that that transfers to Gonzaga pretty well without the success. So Bill Self's legacy is set. Two titles, and I got to say, now that that graphic gets updated to four for Kansas, it looks a lot better. It does. It really does. Four NCAA championships. You go into the Champions Classic. You go into a matchup against, say, like UCLA or Indiana or something, and the graphics are up there with all-time wins, All-Americans, Final Fours championships and it's like oh kansas stacks up but well espn only says they have three championships 
four starts to look a little bit better, doesn't it? Especially in comparison. I mean, North Carolina is now at six. Duke stuck at five. No, Kentucky's up there at eight. UCLA is still hiding with their 11, 10 during the John Wooden era. So four, you know, doesn't look as bad on it's it's a graphic stat, right? It doesn't look so bad on that TV graphic. And, and I'm not saying that Kansas is now legitimately a blue blood. Of course they are. Over the course of this year, Kansas wins a share of the Big 12 regular season title. Kansas wins the tournament title. Kansas wins the national championship. And oh, by the way, Kansas overtakes Kentucky in the middle of March Madness and becomes the all-time winningest program. Of course, this is a, a this is a pillar of college basketball. But when you go into <laughs> you go into the blue blood final four of 2022, and it's a combined championships. And you've got six over here and five over here. And the three, you know, it's three and three for Villanova and Kansas. Villanova with their recent success kind of makes you kind of makes you hide your eyes a little bit. And you say, oh, it's, it's a little embarrassing. So you get four, you jump ahead of Villanova. You're right back in the race. You feel like you could start to catch North Carolina with some more success. And yeah. I think I'll leave it there. I'm rambling a lot. We've got all offseason now, but what an offseason it'll be. We can talk about the team for next year. We can talk about the incoming freshman class, Grady Dick, MJ Rice, Ernest Uday. It's a loaded class. It is. But this is probably the best way to, to cap off this championship episode. This is, uh, if you want to talk about Bill Self and his legacy and all this and that and his ability just as a coach and why I've always been, you know, I, I've criticized Bill for sure, but sometimes someone just has to be a bit of a contrarian, right? Again, there's no other coach in the nation I'd want coaching my team because Bill Self is an in-game adjuster. What he did to draw David McCormack out to the perimeter and to invert the posts, this is about as X's and O's we're going to get. Tossing it down low a lot of times to Kansas' bigger guards. It was a game changer. That's what Kansas did a lot of in the second half. He drew McCormack actually away from the basket, which in turn drew Baycott also away from the basket. And Kansas could attack, and you know it helped get the four fouls on Leaky Black, which helped Ochai get going in the second half, and here we are. So Bill Self's in-game adjustments, his willingness to junk up his defenses if he needs to, and his player development. There was, what, two top 100 recruits on this entire roster. One was Jalen Wilson, who was initially committed to Michigan and a late signee for the team a couple years ago. John Bilon goes to Cleveland to the Cavaliers, and Jalen Wilson reopens his recruitment. That's how KU got Jalen Wilson. And the other, of course, being David McCormack, McDonald's All-American. And let me get this out here really quickly. I'm sorry. But we talked about his bad foot all year, and I'm sure it was affecting him, blah, blah, blah. But Bill Self made sure to point this out. Dave, for about 10 months straight here, 24-7, every single day, I think the number 
was 10 hours a day was working on and rehabbing and treating that foot. So to David McCormack, I take my hat off. You know, he put everything he had into this program and he came up with enormous moments. And so to Dave, to Dewan Harris, to Christian Brown, to Mitch Lightfoot, to Remy Martin, what a comeback. I've hardly even talked about Remy, right? But Kansas doesn't win this championship without Remy Martin being the change of pace guy off the bench. Kansas doesn't win this game without Remy Martin making a block on Caleb Love at the end of the game. Carolina was constantly trying to isolate Remy Martin, and he dug in and he did what he had to do. To all of them, congratulations. I'm sure they are reaping what they have earned as we speak. Unbelievable season in a championship for the Kansas Jayhawks. Hopefully everyone has enjoyed. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the game, enjoyed this episode. Again, we'll get into a little bit of season review, what a season review is going to be. And uh, take care, everyone. Have a good rest of your weekend. And I will speak to you soon. As always, Rock Chalk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.